non-sanctioned. Weapons allowed. No rules. It's lights out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Lights Out. We have no rules. We take it to the extreme. We talk about whatever we want. We are out of the 80s. This is the sister podcast of the Retro Blood. Jay Austin, James Klein. We're here. And we'll be talking all about Christmas. We're talking all about the Black Christmas. Here on the Lights Out, brother. Welcome to the Christmas Eve episode What's up, Allison? How you doing? How you feeling, man? How's this Christmas treating you? Man, Christmas is great. I love this time of year. Um, You know, we've got all of our busy stuff out of the way. It's Christmas Eve. We're up to uh, uh, all we have left to do is eat, open presents, be with our loved ones, and drink Christmas beers, which is what I'm doing. Yeah, buddy. What beer are you drinking right now? I know we've been talking about all the beers on the Retro Blood. Um, right now I have, um, something from Great Lakes Brewing. Um, it's, 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 they just call it Christmas ale, but it's a, uh, it's got spices. It's got honey, honey in it. Um, it's just a really good seven and a half percent alcohol. So it's, it's, it's a little bit up there, but it's just a really good, uh, you know, it's a, what, what I would call a winter warmer, you know, it's like when you. The best time, in my opinion, the best time of year to drink is the winter time. Uh, you know, there's nothing like being freezing cold and then going into a nice little pub where it's warm, drinking a good beer that makes you warm. Uh, this is one of those beers that makes you uh, makes you all warm inside and makes you feel like people love you, even if they don't. If, yeah, even if people don't <laughs> love you, the beer the beer loves you. The beer loves you, brother. Yep. The beer definitely liked our cast here, uh, especially the uh, Mrs. Mac. The beer definitely liked her. You know, she was uh, <laughs> she was drinking the hard stuff, brother. She wasn't playing around. Yeah, she was she was drinking sherry. I've never drank sherry. I, d- I do drink. I mean, I am a liquor drinker, but I've never drank sherry. Um, I've only known known of it as something you cook with. But yeah, so she was ready, man. She was going crazy. Pretty intense. Well, that sounds like like some holiday joy, brother. So everybody, this is the lights out. Thanks for joining us on Christmas Eve, brother. We decided to drop little Lights Out episode talking about one of my favorites and probably one of the most recognized Christmas horror movies and actually one of the most recognized horror movies ever made, Black Christmas. Yeah, for sure. So this movie is very interesting with a lot of with a lot of stuff. You know, the, it has an interesting director behind it. Um, yep. It has, it's, it's, it's one of the uh, films that spearheaded the, the genre of slasher films. Um, it, a lot of movies have yep. copied this movie before um it just in the actual tone of the movie is great like this is like one of my favorite films and especially one of my favorite christmas films or horror movies of all time just because the the tone of it is so like real creepy it just has everything like the scenery is great the acting is great uh the, the plot line is creepy uh it has a lot of real life plot lines to it too so this movie is is, is definitely one of the 
the best movies. I always, and I always like, like like to talk about it because it's just like one of my favorite movies of all time. So, but you know, there's a couple of things in the like talk. You know, we don't have a format over here like we do in Retro Blood, talk about music and stuff. But there's a couple of things I want to I want to talk about before we, we we get into the whole subject of a Black Christmas. I thought it was really interesting. So, so you know, like you, you know, Christmas horror has been going on since like the twenties and shit. You know what I mean? Where we have like just like different creatures, different Christmas creatures, or just different winter creatures stories out there. You know, we have the uh, the Scrooge story. It was visited by well, ghosts and stuff. So yeah, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up because that was because a lot of people wonder why does a Christmas Carol have you know the story of Scrooge? Why does it have ghosts in it? Yes, and it's it goes back to so back in England back you know for de- not decades centuries like one of the traditions of christmas is telling ghost stories um that's like an english tradition that's been going on for centuries and that's why uh dickens christmas stories all have ghosts in them um and scary elements um then this just kind of i think you know connects onto that like the christmas horror movie i think is like just an extension of that uh you know, ghost story tradition, even though they're not all ghosts. Yes. So, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it wasn't until like the seventies and stuff where they actually incorporated like Santa Claus a little bit has the uh, actual killer himself. You know, when we think of like a killer Santa's and stuff, we mostly think about the original silent night, deadly night. Right, you know, because we have Billy dressing like a Santa and killing everybody. That's also, you know, obviously that, one of my favorite. That may be the most infamous one. Yes, but that wasn't People the first one. Out more about that. Exactly. No. Yes. Yes, but that wasn't the first one. You know, we talked about. Um, uh, we, we talked about. So you know, the the first uh, uh, recorded Santa killer in, in cinema history was from the uh, the uh, Tales from the Crypt movie. Mm-hmm. Now it wasn't the TV show Tales from the Crypt. This is a the movie. This is the movie that basically they had a plot line where these uh, these. Uh, have you ever seen that movie before? Tales from the Crypt movie. That was made in yeah, the seventies. Yeah, with Joan Collins, right? Yes. Yeah, so, it's so a I, great movie. We'll do it. We'll do it one year on uh, Lights Out. Yes. So this movie is very fascinating. It basically has a group of like uh, like tourists coming to this like cemetery, and not a cemetery, but like this cave and shit. And they get sit down yeah. and they they basically go. They, it's like a an anthology movie where it has a bunch of different shorts on it. And then one of the shorts yeah. was a killer Santa. That's actually pretty good. It was actually the best one in the movie. So that that was out there. And of course, we talked about um, on uh, last year's review. And of course, you know, last year we did the review of Christmas Evil. All right. Yes. That had uh, that was actually made in 1980. Same uh, you know same year as the uh, the, the movie. That we're going to be review, reviewing tomorrow to all good night. So you know, in this 1980, they had an evil Christmas Santa who was the uh, some like toy worker guy who dressed up like Santa and killed a bunch of people because he wanted to get his toys or his toys weren't appreciated and shit. That's a great review, by the way. Check us out in the in the uh, Retro Blood uh, archives of Christmas Evil, the one we did last year. So you know, so we had Killer Santas before we had Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, but you know, for this particular one, Black Christmas, um, which is interesting about it, we actually had two before we had Black Christmas. We actually had like two horror movies that had like a Christmas theme, like before then. 
you know? So we had um, Silent Night, Bloody Night, all right? Yeah. And then we had Home for the Holidays. Mm-hmm. So both of them were, were not as recognized as Black Christmas because, you know, they weren't as good. But there were parts of both movies that were that were that were inspired Black Christmas, which I thought was pretty um, pretty interesting. So, one of them is Silent Night, Bloody Night. All right, it was made in 1972. It's an American slasher film, kind of. So this one is you know it's, it's you know about a small town, and a guy and stuff. It's about this big mansion. It's, it gets inherited by by this uh, this house and everything, and there's just a lot of murders that happen around Christmas time around it. This movie is very fascinating. I was trying to watch. I was watching a little bit of it, and it's not known to have the best plot line <laughs> of the whole. It is not. Yes. That is true. <laughs> but, that is a fact. Yes. Have you seen this movie before? Uh, I think I've seen it years ago. Yeah. So it's it's not known for its like like stunning uh, plot line and all this kind of stuff, but it does have a couple scenes that they actually took the Black Christmas. The biggest one being in Silent Night, Bloody Night, um, the killer would call the the house, and they would make strange noises, just like we did in Black Christmas. Now, Black Christmas took it to a whole new level, but they did get the they did get influenced by that uh, particular scene. Uh, another one that came out before then was Home for the Holidays. Okay, it was a made-for-TV slasher film, 1972. Okay, yeah, back when you could have TV horror, as we talked about a few weeks ago. Yes, and this one is. Um, you know, basically, it's just about a, uh, it, and it was actually premiered on ABC on November 28th, 1972. Uh, the plot focused on a wealthy father uh, on his deathbed who invites his four daughters home for Christmas and, and tells them he suspects his second wife of poisoning him. Shortly after, girls learned that their stepmom was accused of killing her first husband and then began to fall prey to a killer dressed in yellow rain slick, uh, uh, yellow rain jacket and stuff. So fucking, mm. you know, rain j- yellow jacket killer brother on Christmas. So that is a, a one that's you know came out before Black Christmas, and we'll definitely have to do that one as well too. And here in the lights out in long version, but you know we're seeing like a trend here of uh, of scary horror films, you know, because most of the time I would say Allison, you know, if you if you if you go back in history, you know, I would say Black Christmas would probably be. When it comes to Christmas horror films, like probably like they're the most recognized, I would say yeah. between horror fans. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it, it not only is it probably it may be the best Christmas horror movie ever made. It's it's one of the best horror movies ever made. I mean, it's very good. Yes, and you know, there's some other ones that came out like Deep Red and stuff. Those came out, you know, close to the same time or right after Black Christmas. But um, it just it just you know the history of of Christmas and and horror movies is is actually a long standing history that they're, you know, they're still going on today as well. You know, we see bloody Christmas, bloody Christmas. There's like this like nutcracker one out there, but you know, to me though, most of the Christmas movies made now are like, supposed to be a little more cheesy. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, because people love cheesy shit now. Yeah. But what you you mentioned deep red, the Argento movie. Is that a, is that a Christmas horror movie? Well, it was under the list It's also known as the hatchet murders. Yeah. Was it around Christmas time? Oh, maybe. I love that movie. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I figure we'll do it one day on the uh, Lights Out, but if it's taking place at Christmas time, maybe we'll do it as a Christmas movie. One there you day. go. So, it was under my list of having... Uh, it might not be like... It might just be like one of those movies that's like, it just so happened to be Christmas time. 
You know, oh, it does take place at Christmas time. I just looked it up. That's crazy. Yep. And I, I don't, I didn't remember that, but yeah, that's a great movie if you've never seen it. Deep Red. But anyway, we're talking about Black Christmas today. Yes, but we have a you know, there's a lot of movies like that. You know, like I said, like we have Last Stop on Night Train, Night Train Murders, another Italian film that's around Christmas time. So, the like you know what we're trying to say here is like there's been a long-standing history of having horror mixed in with Christmas, which is you know we we had like the in 2015 we had the Krampus movie come out. You know what I mean? You know, like I said, nowadays we have Bloody uh, Christmas, Bloody Christmas came out. We have that Silent yeah. Night movie that came out. You know, yeah. we have had Silent Night, Deadly Night be remade. You know, the actual the remake of uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um, it was around like 2012. It's actually really good. They were just called like you know Silent Night. That one was a really good remake. Uh, very, you know, th- not all the remakes are going to be the best. <laughs> you know that when it comes to like when That's they true. remake classics and stuff. Um, you know, like what we talked about here on the, on the podcast before. You know, we did all the Silent Night, Deadly Nights that were made in the 80s. Um, you know, they had a Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, which I didn't even know why. It wasn't even like around Christmas. It was like some sort of weird X-Files episode that just had a bunch of slimy demons. And then like they came back the next year and did Silent Night, Deadly Night 5, the toy maker. You know, that was like a little bit more like Christmas theme style to it. Um, so there's a long-standing history of like um, like horror films and Christmas, and it just you know not all of them are going to be you know winners, but they're all they're all some pretty good ones out there, you know. But you know the, the the biggest thing is with this Black Christmas though is to me it's okay we had the Christmas theme that made it very creepy, but the actual movie itself had like this very serious tone to it that made it like more like realistic. You know, like very disturbing. You know, when we're getting like the phone calls on there from the killer, you know, about this, like, it's like a, and the phone calls like had like a storyline with it too. And where like you didn't really know who the the killer was, you know, they, yeah, it, it right. kind of made it look like it was Peter, but then it like, what they didn't make it look like it was Peter. It was just very, very interesting about the yeah. actual tone of the movie itself. So speaking of that, so like you mentioned earlier that. Most um, um, Christmas horror movies that are made today are, are are cheesy and kind of goofy. Do you? And it's and I'm sure it's because that people just don't buy that now. But do you think that it's possible to make a Christmas horror movie that's not cheesy, that's truly scary, that people would you know like and 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 think was a scary film um, without being cheesy? It's possible. So, when I have seen, so I haven't finished my whole review of mm-hmm. Christmas Bloody Christmas, but when I saw most of it so far, it's uh, you know, it's getting to that cheesy point. Right. You know, the closest one I could think of was the remake of Silent Night, Deadly Night, Silent Night. So that one actually had a pretty serious tone to it. Um, you know, we had a, a crazy guy who 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 dressed up like Santa was like stalking the town. And we had like a a, a police officer versus her first duty as being a police officer, you know, obviously getting this case. And she had a very serious, like her her husband died and stuff. She's trying to rebuild her life and stuff. You know, she was worried about becoming a police officer and her parents were worried about it too. So that one had like, out of the ones I've seen that probably had like the the closest serious kind of storyline to it in a way, but not as much as like this Black Christmas is. You know, the Black Christmas just had... 
it, I think what made this movie the most creepy, creepiest, like you never saw the killer. You know, you saw like bits right. and pieces of him, but you never really saw him, and they never really like figured it out. Like it was, it was left open. You know what I mean? And then you know we had the we had the subplot of Peter and 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 the baby, which is a very real life issue you can even see nowadays. Yes, that was that was very 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 uh, adult, I guess you could say. Like it was dramatic. It was very important. Yes. Yeah. Something that you don't, you just don't see a lot in horror movies. Exactly. So it just it just all that mixed together. Plus, you know, during this particular time, you know, we, we probably had like you know maybe a little bit of slasher influence, but this one kind of like jump started it. You know, with like the the creepy guy in the basement hiding all the bodies. You know, yeah. killing people with like Christmas ornaments and shit. You know. Like uh, it just uh, it just had that serious tone to it. That kind of like, and then of course you know we had that first person view, which I'm pretty sure that's what you know the original Halloween got inspired to do was to do like the yep. first person view. Um, obviously, you know we had those moments where where we had some quiet moments and we just had some creepy sound effects and stuff going on. You know, I know Halloween used that as well too. Um, just the, the overall tone of the movie is just very. Very good, and like you know, we had really good actors in this this movie as well too. You know, the, the scenery, actors. the scenery like is great. Actors. Yes, the the cops were not made to look like jokes, except for that one cop was. So we had like a little <laughs> comedy in there too. Like it pretty much just has everything you're looking for. You know, when you want to look for like a very disturbing, you know, style written movie. So, but um, but yeah. So like uh, it, this one right here, it, it just it just very it's very classic and stuff and and um it just you know you you can see the progression of how a lot, a lot of movies like you know took a lot of like 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 scenes and, and different tones from Black Christmas. So, but I think before we should do like some of the review of Black Christmas, um, <laughs> yeah. I think we should talk a little bit about who actually made Black Christmas. We should. We have a lot to talk about with this. Uh, yes. these people. This guy. So, the weirdest part, I always think, of Black Christmas, which it was origi- originally titled Silent Night, Evil Night, all right, in the United States. That was the regional title. Oh, okay. I was about to say, I heard that it was originally called uh, Stop Me or something like that. Yeah. Well, you know, these films always have, like, different titles, but one of the original titles, Silent Night, Evil Night, that's what they were trying to do for, like, in the United States. So, this is a Canadian slasher film. It's Produced in Canada, all right? Of course. And the biggest thing that's always tripped me out about this movie is the director, Bob Clark. Bob Clark. So you're telling me that the guy who fucking did this movie that we see every year on Christmas, A Christmas Story, directed Black Christmas for his first film? Well, it wasn't his first film. Okay. It wasn't even his first horror movie. So Bob Clark is a very interesting guy. Um, cause yeah, that is the thing that gets people the most is that the guy that directed black Christmas also directed a Christmas story. Yes. So he directed two Christmas movies that are very different. Um, but yeah, so he, um, Bob Clark, um, had a, had a really long history in film. Like, you know, he's most famous for those two movies, I guess. I've never actually seen a Christmas story. It's one of those weird things I've just never seen. Wow, you never seen that um, show? Nope, never seen it. Never seen this movie. It is crazy. It's one of those things I've just never seen it. But I mean, he made um, he made that. He made a um, a couple years before this, he made a horror movie called "Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things," which is about uh, 
um, it has a, like a zombie movie. Um, he made a movie called Death Dream, um, which was also well he produ- he produced that. He was also a producer. No, he uh, I think he directed Death Dream. Anyway, that's coming off the top of my head. Um, but he also produced this movie called Moon Runners, which was like the the movie that inspired the Dukes of Hazard. Um, and he also wrote uh, some on the Dukes of Hazard. Um, he made a movie called Breaking Point that was really good. He's made a lot of really good movies. But yeah, that's the same year he made a Christmas story. He also made Porky's Two. He directed Porky's and Porky's Two. Um, so he's made a lot of movies and a lot of different kinds of movies. But he is most known for comedy. He's he, because of his later career, he did a lot of comedies. Um, but yeah, so the guy that directed this movie also directed a Christmas story. Yes. Long story short. Which I always think that was very interesting. You know, I guess his first film was Children Shouldn't Play with Dead Things, 1972. Yeah, that's the first movie that I know of that he did. Yeah. yeah it was a blend of comedy and graphic horror. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, that's not, that's not too uncommon, you know, for a lot of like directors to kind of like start with horror movies. You know what I mean? Because, you know, we talked about this before, mm-hmm. like on Retro Blood and other shows and stuff. You know, horror movies don't, don't take the, they don't take the biggest budget to make. No, no, like even don't. if you look at the credits for Black Christmas, I mean there wasn't a lot. You know nowadays the movies go like fucking. It's like three hours to show all the fucking credits for everybody. You know this is like only like what like five minutes, maybe maybe even less, maybe like three. Yeah, yeah. but the thing that gets me the most about this movie was the cast that it had. Like the um, now a lot of these people weren't famous yet, but they 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 would be famous. Like like John Saxon is in this, and John Saxon was a pretty big deal. I mean he was a pretty big actor. Yes. in the 70s uh margot kidder was not famous yet but she would be later um olivia hussey was uh this is like her second movie i think the first she was in uh romeo and juliet franco zeffirelli um so it has some big big no- known actors in it for sure well so apparently some of this story it was inspired by an urban legend the babysitter and the man upstairs yeah it was a series of murders that took place in the Westmont neighborhood of Montreal, Quebec. Mm. So Moore, he yeah, wrote the but- screenplay under the title "Stop Me." So that's how that's how, that was his original title. So I guess these right. babysitter murders and the man upstairs was like a uh, like a, I guess like a a big urban legend. Urban legend. Yeah, have you not heard that? Because it was also used in this movie. Um, it would come out a few years later that I can't think of the name of it, but it's that part of it's only used in the very beginning of the movie. So the idea is the urban legend is that there's a babysitter. She's taking care of this kid and um, the parents are out doing something and she keeps getting these prank calls and then she keeps getting these obscene calls and then they start to get threatening and she keeps calling the police and they're like, well, keep him on the line and we'll trace the call. And then this goes on and on and on for a while. And then finally she keeps them on the line long enough to trace the call. And then they call her back and she's like, oh, you've got to get out of the house right now because the calls are coming from inside the house. And it's like this terrifying thing, right? Because if you're a babysitter, there's nothing more terrifying than, you know, this person that is threatening to kill you is actually calling you from inside that house. Um, so that's uh, that that is a plot point of this movie. Uh, um, but yeah, that's what that urban legend is. So it's a. Uh, yeah. yeah, and it's it's been used in a bunch of movies or a few movies at least, but uh, and it was definitely used in this movie, yeah, <laughs> for sure, yeah. So apparently, this also has to reflect on the 1950 murder of teenage babysitter Janet Christman. 
So it's kind of cited yeah. as a source of the legend, where the legend kind of came from. So, you know, Moore wrote the screenplay under the title Stop Me. The filmmakers made numerous um, alterations to the script, primarily the shifting to a universal settings with young adult characters. So it was shot in Toronto in 1974 and was distributed yeah. by Warner Brothers in North America. So I bet I guess Unpunished released by Christmas received mixed reviews, but has been but has since been uh, received critically, you know, res, you know, responsible of the film's history and negation for being one of the earlier slasher films. So it basically, you know, it got mixed reviews at the time, but then it's been cited has been a hist- like a history history film, historical film, for for mm-hmm. being one of the earliest slasher films. Yeah. So obviously, you know, what we talked about is also. Uh, influenced John Carpenter's Halloween, and it is grew up, you know, cult following. Um, since its release, uh, there was a novel written by Lee Hayes, which was published in 1976. It is the first film in the Black Christmas series. So this is also to like we said is also was remaked twice by 2006 and 2019. Now, let me talk about this for a second. Mm-hmm. So obviously the Black Christmas, this one is probably the best one, but the 2006 remake wasn't that bad. Like it was actually pretty good. Um, and I'll be dropping a little extra on the Facebook page. We'll do like a little faces review, uh, review of uh, Black Christmas uh, remake. But this one is actually pretty good. Like um, I remember watching it. You know, it's not as serious has the original Black Christmas or like the super darker tone, but it does have a lot of good death scenes. And the only thing in this movie does that the original Black Christmas doesn't do is actually shows you the killer. And right. I guess the killer, you know, uh, <laughs> so the killer, he looks exactly like Iggy Pop on this 2006 I, remake. He- Have you seen this movie? Yeah, I've seen pictures from it. I've never seen the movie, but yeah, he does kind of look like Kiki Pop, doesn't he? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy to think. So there's also a 2019 remake of Black Christmas, and boy, I remember watching this one, and I wasn't a big fan. So nope. it just, it just, it just, the spirit wasn't there. It just wasn't my, uh, wasn't my forte. So also too, you know, more. He's also claim. He, he was inspired by a series of murders that occurred during the holiday season in the Westmont area of Montreal. So has located an article from the Telegraph. The murders, which occurred in 1943, were perpetrated by a 14-year-old boy who bludgeoned se- several of his family members to death. Film producer Harvey Sherman and Richard Scotton had Timothy Bond rewrite the script to give it a universal setting, like we talked about. Clark, ta- Clark, who had felt the original script was too much of a straightforward slasher film, made several yeah. alterations to the dialogue. He also incorporated hum- humorous elements in the film, particularly the drunkenness of Barb and, yeah. and so, Mrs. Mack. Yeah, I was going to say, those are seem to be very Bob Clark characters. Yes. Um, but like, I've, like I said, I've never seen A Christmas Story, but I've seen clips from it. And there's characters in that movie that are like that. And there's characters in Porky's that are like that. Um, there are characters in Moonrunners that are like that. Um, Baby Geniuses has characters like that. Um, so those are like th- those are very Bob Clark characters, I think. Yes. Apparently he based aunt or whatever. Yes, he based Mrs. Mac on his real aunt, which is funny. Oh right, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
So Clark felt that the college and high school students had not been, uh, like he, he, he thought like, you know, before this movie was made, he, he thought like a lot of high school and college students weren't, you know, portrayed like with any sense of reality in American film. So he tended to capture the, the authenticness of like young adults. And I think he did a pretty good yeah. job with that. I, actually. I was going to say that. I think so too. I think these characters act like real people. Yeah. And they act like real people would act. Yes, exactly. As opposed to the movie we're going to do tomorrow where nobody acts like a real person would act. No. But, um, um, but in, uh, in this movie, like the characters for the most part act like real people would act, I believe. Yes. You know, he was trying to make it more like, you know, how like he's saying like, you know, a lot of co- college students around this time, they're not just like a bunch of fools and all girls in bikinis and, bank, you know, beach blankets and shit. They're not all bimbos. Right. They're actually like real complex people who have real complex problems. In life. So, you know, obviously, you know, filming was at the University of Toronto, the, the Soldier's Tower. Um, you know, that's when they did a lot of the, the, the piano shots with, with, with Peter. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So there's a, there's a ton about this movie. And it just, it's just a very fascinating movie um, to, to kind of break down, which we will do right now. We'll, yeah, do, a, we'll do a breakdown, a little bit of the Black Christmas here, but on the, right, the lights out. So, you know, um, the, the movie is, so right away, like, we, we just get right to the point, see the big sorority house, you know, we're kind of establishing all of our characters over here, um, we're finding out that um, our character, Barbara, she, mm-hmm. she's kind of like the, uh, the wild one of the group. Um, yeah. And Played apparently, yes, and she did a great job in this movie. Like, she Absolutely. was like... She was basically like the, uh, like, kind of like the, uh, the, you felt bad for her character because, you know, she wanted to, like, she, she wanted to take this phone call from her mom, maybe spend some time with her family for Christmas. But her mom's like, no, we're not going to spend time. Just go out to our skiing resort. We don't want to be with you. So Barb's a little bit upset. And the way she takes yeah. out her, her anger is by drinking and then, you know, being an asshole to all these other girls. Right. By drinking and being an asshole. This is before she was in Superman. Yes. So like four years later, she would play Lois Lane in Superman, but this was like one of her early movies. Yes, which is uh, it's always it's always great to see like young actors and actresses before they make it big. And I liked it how she called her mom has a golden she's a golden plate whore. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> line. So you know, outside during all this happening, we could see the first person view, which which yeah. Halloween would popularize later yeah. on. So. So speaking of that, if, correct me if I'm wrong, and I may very well be, but wasn't Halloween inspired by the idea of what a sequel to Black Christmas would be like? Yes, because um, it was, ba- you know, how like Black Christmas on Christmas. I guess, I guess, I think yeah. John Carpenter wanted to do something similar like that, where he wanted to make a creepy, a creepy babysitter murder, real life babysitter murder on on Halloween. So we're doing right. like kind of like yeah, in, in a very very similar vein. How Black Christmas was like, like on like a holiday. He wanted to make it like for like a Halloween type of holiday one too. Mm-hmm. So and it would be like uh, it would just keep continuing on through the holidays, and then yes. we'd have like the uh, the uh, you know the Easter uh, the Easter murder babysitter murders where somebody would dress up like a a rabbit and kill people yeah. or something. I guess. I mean, come on, we even have April Fools. I mean, come on, we got them all. Yeah, all true. Right. April Fools, and then we have. Uh, Fourth of July, where you dress up like Uncle Sam and kill someone. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, so this could just keep going on forever. Yeah, just keep going, brother. All right, we can have fucking uh, 
<laughs> what's a what's a very random what's a very random holiday? Um, uh, Columbus Day. Yeah, Columbus Day. There you go. It comes back. President's Day. Day. You could dress up like the, like a president and murder people. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We have that. It's called the purge. Yeah. There you go. Oh, that's true. That's true. Uh-huh. I still uh-huh. think there's untapped <clears throat> holiday movies that we can make. Yes. All right. So this is when we get the first round of like the phone calls. All right. And these phone calls, they keep getting crazier and crazier as they go. So they pick up the phone call. Yes. The, the Jess is the major one. She's like, she's like the main character of our, of yeah. our, of our story. Um, see, she is, uh, she picks up the phone call. The way she picks up phone calls, I mean, Hello, hello, hello! Can you hear me? Hello! Like screaming at the, I was like, "Fuck!" She doesn't even give the person a, chan- a chance to answer. You know? Yeah, I was like, "Why is this?" This is the only part of the movie I thought was like was like it was like ridiculous. Like where she was like, she's just like, "Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" And maybe phones. In the, maybe everybody, phones keep it down. Is good. Keep it down, everybody. Can you hear me? Hello. Can you, hello. Okay, I can hear you now. <laughs> So phone call guy, he's all like, he's he's talking about like pink pussies and shit. How he's gonna lick this? I was yeah. like, fuck, we're getting right it into like, it. Wah. He's like, you need yeah. my cock in <laughs> you and shit. And then of course Barbara's like, you can't. She thinks it's just a joke and shit. All right. And then the guy's like, I'm gonna kill you. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that was pretty creepy. That was that pretty, was pretty yeah. creepy. Where she was, where he's like, I'm just gonna yeah. kill you. And then Claire was all like, hey, you shouldn't provoke this guy. You know that girl was raped a couple weeks ago. And then Barb says something about like, well, town girls don't get raped. And I was like, no, what? no. She says you can't rape a townie. Yeah, you can't rape a townie. And I was like, holy shit! Like that's like, uh, that's like intense. Yeah, like that's an intense line. It's like, so she's like, okay. So the thing about it is, she's like, the thing about Barb is, she's from the big city, right? Yeah. So she like she keeps talking about that as how she's from the big city, which I assume is Toronto. But um, she's like, she's from the big city, and all these people are just small town idiots. Yes. But like she's talking about like all these like townies in this small town is like you can't rape a townie. I'm like, holy shit, that's like that talking about things you can't do today. Oh, yeah. Like no. you could not you couldn't you couldn't put that in a movie today. Well you couldn't even do this phone call too that the guy was doing. Talking about licking pink pussies and shit. I was like, damn. Eh, you it would be it people would be offended by it and like, you know, you know, they would uh you know, get the vapors or whatever and have to fan their faces, but you could get by with that. It would be shocking. But like say in a movie saying that, you know, you can't rape this person because, you know, basically because they deserve it or because like, you know, they're all sluts or whatever. That that's something you couldn't say today for sure. In yeah. a movie. So, you know, Claire, she is one of the girls who's kind of fed up with Barb. So she doesn't want to go skiing with her. So Barb's kind of like making fun of her a little bit. And eventually Claire has to go pack because she's meeting her dad to visit him for Christmas. And of course, Claire, she is our first uh, victim where she, so we had the famous scene where she dies in her, I guess her room by putting a plastic mm-hmm. bag over her head and getting suffocated. Yeah. Like on the poster. Yes. So I called this character Mrs. Drunk, but it's basically Mrs. May. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in that, she comes in, she basically has liquor hidden around everywhere around the house. Like her main her main plot was to drink liquor that she stashed all throughout this house, even right? in the toilet, even in the toilet, everywhere. <laughs> right? So now, um, so Jess is in a relationship with Peter, mm-hmm. okay, and they're talking on the phone. That like, Jess really wants to see Peter. Peter's like, oh fuck, I just haven't been sleeping for three days and shit, because he's like a he's like a pianist, a pianist. <laughs> How do you say that Sorry. shit? A pe- 
as he's a pianist, a pianist. I always fuck that shit up. He's a, great. a pianist. I love that shit. He's a pianist. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's also the most. Uh, did you see that scene where he's like playing the piano? Like he's the most intense piano player of all time. Like, oh my god! I know. <laughs> well, this guy was just sweating. He was like, "Fuck." Well, he did get some crazy news. So that's true. That's yeah. true. Well, I like the I like the part where he's like, "I love you," and she's like, "I know." Oh, sick burn. Fuck. Ooh, sick burn. So this is when we we meet uh, Claire's dad, Mister Harrison, and mm-hmm. he's asking this guy, like, saying, "Hey, well, you see my daughter named Claire?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, he, she's in the fucking uh, the house down over there, like the sorority house and shit." So now we're seeing uh, <laughs> Mrs. Harrison, Mister Harrison, talking to 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 Mac, you know, and we see like this picture of this old lady flicking the flicking the pictures off. I thought it was funny, and Harrison's <laughs> just wondering where his daughter's at this whole time. And uh, the Mrs. Mac is trying to hide all these pictures and everything. Say Harrison doesn't like this atmosphere. He doesn't like his daughter to come in here to drink and get boys and stuff. And then eventually, um, uh, Mrs. Mac like convinces him to go uh, search because she thinks that the um, the uh, Claire's with the other kids because they're all like doing like this charity Santa thing for all these under you know all these like orphanage kids down there yeah and we do see a funny scene of like one of the guys who has like the afro he is like pretending to be santa he was like ho ho shit and i guess he hears the news that like his girl uh phil uh the girl like philly or phil what's her name uh phil like is what like i think of yeah it's like short for phyllis or something yeah phyllis yeah that's like his girlfriend and the she agreed to go skiing but the guy who's playing santa was like oh fuck i want to go you know have her for my Christmas uh, uh, date. Yeah. And he's all pissed off. Yeah. He's like cursing in front of these kids. He's like, that fucking that bitch. Dude, that guy is so familiar, but I don't know where I've seen him before. Yeah, with the afro? Um, the, guy with, the guy with the really, really curly hair and the glasses. That played, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know where I've seen that guy before, but he, I, think he's a, I think he's a famous actor. Yeah, so then um, then this is when we get, you know, uh, Mrs. Mac, she's like, uh, you know, she's in the bathroom, you know, drinking and stuff, and she's all saying, like, Mrs. Harrison's, like, judging me and fucking, I didn't get my daughter over here to drink and do boys, like, I'm supposed to take care of all these fucking bitches. She's <laughs> like, like, all these damn, you know, all these damn harlots around everywhere. I was like, damn. Damn. So uh, now she now she gets scared by the cat and everything. So we're seeing some plot points with this cat is coming mm-hmm. in, and then uh, she eventually leaves with Mrs. Harrison, Mr. Harrison, to go find the uh, go to the orphanage place. So now we we get the we get a, a pretty intense scene here. So this is we're, we're starting off pretty pretty intense. So so Jess so Jess and Peter they're meeting, and Jess is like, hey, I'm pregnant. And Peter's like, oh, well, that's great news. Yeah. So she's like, no, like I, I don't want the kid. I got, I wanted to abort it. And yeah. She's like, and he's like, well, I don't, I don't want you to do that. And then he's like, you know, they're going back and forth. And Peter's like, man, I got, I got, like, do you ever think about anybody but yourself? You know, I have a very important like meeting this afternoon and everything. And you know, so basically, just she doesn't want to have the kid, <laughs> and Peter does. And you know, they're just having like this real life you know talk that young people probably have when they have an unexpected you know pregnancy yeah. happen and she leaves she doesn't you know he's basically telling her to leave and everything he has like this big important you know show to do um yeah they're working so, on for a while so. yeah and he's the one that says um he's the one that says don't you ever think about anybody but yourself right yeah yeah so okay so let's 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 let's, let's talk about that for a second 
So she's talking about how she's pregnant and she doesn't want to keep the baby and she's going to have an abortion. And then he's like, do you only think about yourself? I have this big meeting coming up. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's, I mean, that's a really mature thing to have in a movie like this, I think, but yeah. it's still really like, he's like, holy shit. Like how like self-absorbed is this fucking asshole? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I understand like maybe he doesn't want her to have an abortion and they want to have a kid, although he's about to quit school. Do, do, doesn't he talk, tell her that at this point? Or no, is that a little later? that's a little later. Okay. But yeah, he's about to quit school because he doesn't want to be cramped up in his, uh, uh, whatever he does playing piano 24 hours a day, I guess. Cause he hasn't slept in three days. Remember? Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so she, but this is pretty, this is pretty intense. Like, I think this is a pretty, adult grown up like scene where yeah. they wrote this scene where she's, you know, she's contemplating having an abortion and, uh, you know, her, her boyfriend doesn't want her to. Yeah. It makes it more like realistic, you know, cause you know, a lot of the scenes are probably doing before this with all these kids and stuff. They're probably just like, you know, just not has written as well. Like they're just not has written. They're just written to look like goofballs and these crazy kids just doing crazy kid stuff. You know, yeah, this one is very like more, more mature. Talking yeah, here. like in the movie we're going to talk about tomorrow, where everybody's yes. a sex addict. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so he basically tells her to leave, and then he wants to go meet her later on tonight, and she agrees. So, um, so now Jess is answered the phone. She's back at the house, the sorority house, and she answers the phone again. Hello, hello, can you can you hear? Hello, can you hear me? Like, fuck, man. Maybe uh, okay. So now I have like a kayfabe reason for this happening. So she's yes. English. Maybe the phones in England aren't as good. Oh yeah, maybe as, they, as yes. Canadian phones. Yes, North American phones are better. So when you answer the phone in England in the seventies, you have to like talk loud and make sure the other yes. person can hear you. Yes, I don't know. It's, it's it's absurd. So this is when we get the first phone call, and this is when the phone call uh, killer he brings up Ang- uh, Agnes and Billy as like the main two storyline people that he's talking about. Yeah. So Barbara is now telling this cop. So I guess like Harrison and all them stuff, or actually no, there is a scene of Barbara when Harrison is like, uh, Mr. Harrison's at the the orphanage and stuff, and they 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 haven't seen Claire anywhere, so they're gonna go to the police. We do see a scene of Barbara feeding a kid some liquor. I thought that was pretty funny. Right. So now they're at the police station. Barbara's telling this cop that he sucks, right? And they're not doing anything to help the boys or help help them find uh, the Claire, and um. Uh, this is like, you know, Jess is calling up about these calls and this is basically when this, this detective, detective, uh, Ken, he's just basically like blowing it off saying, ah, she probably just went out with her boyfriend. This happens all type of year and stuff. And all right. And then this is when he's like, okay, well, let me get the, let me get the, uh, let me get the, the number to your sorority house. And Barbara's like, oh, okay, I can trick this motherfucker. And she's like, okay, it's a 1-800 fellatio. <laughs> he's like, he's like, Felicia, how do you spell that shit? He's like, okay. He's like, well, what is it? It's like, oh, it's the new thing. It's the, it's the newest it's a, thing. She's like, it's a, it's a new uh, exchange or something. So phones were different then. Like, it's a yeah. new exchange. So back yeah. then, like, even even in the seventies, this may not have been a thing. But like, remember when we did um, Transylvania six five thousand? Yeah. Back in the day, so um, which is based on a song called Pennsylvania six five thousand. But, like, I guess that's how phones used to work before you had phone numbers like you did now. Like, you would call, like, the operator to call a number for you, call an exchange, and it would be, like, based on, like, 
where you were or like where you wanted to call. So like everyone had like a, you know, like a two letter code and then a number and then it would call this like exchange. So that's how phones used to work. So that's what she's talking about. Cause she says like, you know, she's like, it's a new exchange F E. And then, she, and then, and then he's like, well, how do you spell that? Yeah, like how do you this spell it? Cop, um, <laughs> who, who is played by, um, also a really good actor. Um, the guy that plays the dumb cop. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, what is that guy's name? Let's see. Um, Doug McGrath, yep. I believe is who that is. Yeah, Doug McGrath. Uh, he's he was in a bunch of good movies. He's a he's a he's a great actor too. Yeah, um, Sergeant Nash. Yes, Sergeant Nash. And then he's he's like, how do you spell Felicia? Yeah. Well, and this this is a really good joke that comes back later on. Too. Yes, it's it does. Really so now Jess, she's worried about Claire and everything here in the news. So she goes to Chris. So Chris was uh, Claire's like boyfriend or gonna be boyfriend, and yeah. she's telling him like, "Hey, we can't say. Have you seen him?" He's like, "I haven't seen her since like yesterday and stuff." And then now we got cut to a scene. Now Peter is playing the piano like fucking intense, sweating everything. And <laughs> this guy had so many plaid yes. jackets too. Like he had like a different plaid jacket for every scene. It seems like yeah, those 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 jackets are fucking badass. They're badass. This I guy had the plaid, plaid jacket. And I was gonna bring that up too. You know the wardrobe here. Like I could see people nowadays wearing half the shit they're wearing. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, things come back around, right? So, yeah. like, maybe some of the seventy stuff is popular now, but like, yeah, those plaid jackets, those nineteen seventies plaid jackets, is yeah, great. So now Chris and, uh, is, oh, yeah. so now Chris no, no, is all upset, so he's gonna go to the police, um, police, police station. Mm-hmm. So now, like, you know, when he goes there and stuff, he's like pissed off and stuff, saying like, "Man, fuck you, Nash, and everything. You don't give a shit." And then he talks <laughs> to the main. And then the main uh, sergeant, the main lieutenant Fuller, he is played by John Saxon, which we talked yep. about here before. The great John Saxon. Yes. yes. I love John Saxon. Yes. Of course, he was on the, um, or he's on our first review of Retro Blood, A Nightmare on Elm Street, brother. So, oh, yeah. I didn't even think about that. I didn't put that together. He was in the first Retro Blood episode. Yep. Um, yeah. He's also in a bunch of Argento films. He made the first Giallo, a Giallo film. Um, he was in the Six Million Dollar Man. Uh, love John Saxon. Love love him. Yeah. But and speaking he was great of uh, jackets, he was great. Yeah. Speaking of jackets, though. Oh, and weird. He plays a cop in this too, just like he does in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. Uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah. Speaking of jackets, did you see the jacket that? Um, uh, what's his name? Alex. Chris. Sorry, <laughs> Chris. Uh, the the fur the fur coat that he's wearing. That shit. Badass. Oh yeah, yeah, Chris. Yeah, with his fur coat. Yeah, he comes yeah. in in that big fur coat. Yeah. Like, I want that. That, I that I, dude, I would rock that everywhere. That shit looks fucking great. Looks great. Yeah. I mean, I don't want real fur because I'm not an asshole. But like a fake fur coat that was like that. That's yeah. just badass. It look great. So now, um, so now you know after Chris, now the Lieutenant Fuller is going to look into it more, more seriously. So now that we're at dinner table at the house. Um, we have like Barb there. We have Jess there. Um, we have Phil there. Uh, you know, we have uh, Mrs. Mack and we have Harrison. Dad, the Harrison's dad there. He can't eat because he's just worried about his daughter. So now mm. Barbara, she brings up about like this thing about turtles mating with each other for three days. <laughs> <laughs> and she's drunk and shit. And I, my, my, my favorite one, she's like, it's like, I'm lucky if I can get three minutes. <laughs> and then she's all like, yeah, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming this is like supposed to be like this. All yeah. these scenes are supposed to be showing her drunkenness or whatever, yeah. but like 
So she's like talking about fellatio with Sergeant Nash, and then yeah, and then now she's talking about turtles fucking for three days. Yeah, and then she's all like, "I was watching them in the zoo, but then I got bored. I watched the zebras, and they did pure. She's like, I did, didn't stay there for three days. Yeah, yeah, I didn't stand there. I was only stand there for like a couple minutes, but then I watched. Then when I went to the zoo, and I saw the zebras, and they did premature ejaculation. Ha ha ha! And I see like a drunk as office <laughs> shit. Right, she's like, they yeah. only fucked for three, 30 seconds. Premature yeah. ejaculate. And then she gets serious. Uh-huh. She's like, all right. I know what I was thinking here. You guys think that I drove Claire away, then I'm, exp- I'm, I'm responsible for her being missing or possibly dead. All right, Dom? Why don't I just say it? Everybody knows that I'm thinking. They're like, no, 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 we're not thinking that. It's like, yes, you are. Yes, you are. I don't think yes, I'm, I'm just like this horrible person and stuff. And they're basically like, okay, you need to go to bed. You're drunk as shit. You're going to go to bed. All right. So Peter, he's pissed because he fucked up his little piano shit. So he smashes his piano. He's like, fuck this. Yeah, with a microphone stand. Yeah. So now Chris and, and, and Jess are back, and I guess they're giving the update of what they know about Claire. So there's also this other like subplot, too. There's this other girl, um, this other mom. She is also looking for her missing uh, daughter um, as well. Um. So this is when we get the whole, um, so Mac, you know, obviously is Max, she's like packing up all her shit and she's like drinking stuff. I guess she's like, uh, uh, you know, she's about yeah. to get out of there. You know what I mean? And the cat, this is when we're upstairs now. So, so the whole time the killer is basically has, um, Claire's body upstairs in the attic on like a rocking chair and shit. All right. So this is when we had the cat The it's like licking the body and stuff. This the, every time we saw Claire's body up there, it was pretty creepy. Like and like nobody ever thought to go to the attic either. They're just like, okay, we're gonna check oh, every well, part. I of mean, house. that makes yeah. sense though. Yeah, that does make sense to me. Like, why why would you go to the attic? Because it's just for storage. But I mean, I, mean, I guess in a, in a scenario where people are getting murdered, maybe we should check the attic. But yeah, I mean, why would you go out there? But yeah, you're right. Like all the scenes with Claire's body in the rocking chair with the plastic bag yeah. on her head. That was that. Those were all creepy, and with the cat licking her face and yeah. stuff, that was great. So eventually, before Max leaves, she hears the noise. So she actually goes up to the attic to go find the cat. She has like a taxi mm-hmm. driver out there waiting for her and stuff. And she's looking around. She's looking around upstairs. She finally she sees Claire's dead body. And she freaks out. And then this whole time, he had the killer. He has like a hook, like a hook, like structure mm-hmm. weapon, and he fucking yes. throws it at her face and kills her ass. <laughs> all right. And then the taxi yes. guy leaves and shit. Um, and then he starts like freaks out and stuff, start pushing shit around. So so now the whole search party, I guess they were searching mm-hmm. for that missing girl. Not Claire. They weren't searching missing for girl. her, but there was a smaller, like a little this, another another girl. She's like a thirteen year old girl or something yeah. that's missing. So they find that body, and um, the mom's all upset and everything. So so now the phone rings back at the house. Um, Jess is obviously there, p- picks it up and stuff, and you know, help me, Billy. Uh, you know, you know what this is. Ba- I was saying stuff about Billy and shit. Like, Billy and Agnes, help me, help me, and all this shit. It's like some creepy shit over the phone. Mm. All right, so now, um, you know, Jesse's also wants to know, you know, kind of looking around for Miss Mac and stuff. Um, so Jess calls the police. Um, and uh, like she's on the phone with the police. Trying to say, like, hey, you know, there's a person that keeps calling up this house, and I really need you guys to do something about that. But while she's, like, on the phone with the police, Peter shows up, and he was supposed to meet her tonight, and he kind of scares her from the stairs and everything. 
And um, eventually, like, you know, she's like, hey, I want to talk to you and stuff, but I got to tell the police this stuff really quick. And she tells the police about the phone call. Of course, you know, we have uh, Sergeant <laughs> uh, Nash on there, not fucking paying <laughs> attention to nothing. He's like, ah. And she probably went out there with some boys or something. So. Yeah. Sergeant Nash fucks a lot of shit up in this movie. Yes. So he's, uh, he's like, oh, it's okay. It's probably just one of your boyfriends playing the joke. So now this is uh, Peter and, and Just, you know, Peter's asking, you know, what's going on? She's like, oh, there's a little girl that was mur- uh, murdered outside, and now Claire's missing and stuff. She's just very worried. Uh, so now she's basically, uh, um, um, Peter's very upset, you know, about, and he's like, listen, this is when he brings up, like, I'm going to be leaving my whole piano thing. You know, I hate being in that place anyway, taking shits and everything. I had to wait for six hours. It's like, how about what we do? <laughs> how about what we do is we just get married? All right. And she's like, she's like, it's like, when I didn't just explains like, listen, when we first met, you told me your dream was to be a, a, a pianist. How do you say it? Pianist? Pianist. Huh. Okay. So his dream was to be that. And then, um, she, she's like, she's like, I also had dreams too. And I can't do all these dreams if I'm pregnant and stuff, or if I marry you. And Peter's like, you can right. still do all that stuff. You know, and we can still make a time. She's like, Peter, I don't want to marry you. Ooh. Ooh. And he's like, Burn. And he's like, okay, well, what about the baby? And then, and then we, we do a little cut. So I'm like, fuck, it's getting serious obviously over here. She doesn't, obviously, she doesn't want that either. Yeah. So Lieutenant Filler is basically telling Nash, hey, you know, I need you to look into these phone calls of the house and stuff because you've been, like, fucking shit up lately. Okay? And then, like, this <laughs> random cop starts laughing a lot. Like just laughs and laughs yeah. and laughs. And at first I'm like, what the fuck is he laughing about? And then I remember like, he's like, hey, check out this paper of, of, of the sorority house number. And they call Nash over here. <laughs> They're like, Nash, uh, what's the number to the uh, the sorority house again? He's like, oh yeah, it's fellatio. And the fellatio. Just, that, that cop, that, bro, that one cop, like, I, he is dead. He's about to pass out from laughing. And they're like, and the guy's like. I mean, <laughs> wouldn't you? I mean, it's like, Really? Like really, Sergeant Nash? Are you this fucking stupid? No, I like the part where like Phil was like, like Nash, you fucking. We just need to give you written instructions twenty four seven. And then Nash is thinking like it's all like it's all like it's something dirty, isn't it? <laughs> the other cop is just like dead. He's dead after that. He's like dead. That's correct. <laughs> give you written instructions twenty four seven. So now Peter is pissed. He's like, you yeah. selfish bitch. All right? You're going to take this fucking baby. I don't want you to do that shit. All right? <laughs> he doesn't want her to abort the fucking baby. All right? right. And, then, and then basically, just like, you got to leave. Get, get out the fuck out of here, Peter. Yeah. All right? And then Peter's like, you will be sorry. Uh-oh. 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 Could, he, could he be the killer? Yes. So now the lieutenant's there with the with the with some of the kids, you know, to go talk about the phones and stuff. Because, you know, he's putting everything together. You know, the, the sorority house, somebody's missing from the sorority house. There's a dead kid yeah. that got murdered out there. This is getting a bunch of freaky phone calls. We should probably investigate this and not listen to Sergeant Nash and his dumbness. So they go over there. And <laughs> that was a really good scene, too. I don't know if you noticed this. That yeah. was a really cool scene with John Saxon. So she tells Peter to leave, and then he's, like, storming out, and yeah. he kind of bumps into John Saxon. And yeah. the look on John Saxon's face was like, look, kid, I'm going to fucking kill you. Yeah. 
And he's also like, like do saying, not, like, you, you do not bump into me, you stupid motherfucker. What, what like, I that liked, was fucking great. Yes. And what I liked about his character, too, you know, a lot of times in horror movies, we have these dumb cops. You know, there always had to be like one. Yeah. But you had to have at least one smart figure. And I think, I thought he did a great right. job of being like a really good police officer. Fanta- yes. You know, asking Fantastic. the right questions, yeah. you know, doing his best yeah. to do the murder. There's only one slip up that he had. And we'll get to that. Right. So he's there. He's asking Jess about, you know, like what we do is we're gonna tap all these phones, okay, in your house. So if the guy calls back, what we'll do is if you can just keep him on the line for a little bit, we'll be able to tap where the source of the phone call is coming from. You know, how many phones you got around the house? They said they had three. All right. Now mm-hmm. there's one clue. I don't know if you mentioned. Like he said, okay, well we're gonna get this main one. We're gonna get this one. There's one. Then there's like, oh, there's one in Mrs. Mac room. I was like, oh, don't worry about that phone. It never gets used. So, oh, yeah. So he did. He did fuck up on that part. Yeah. All right. So now, uh, uh, after he leaves and stuff, Phil, Phyllis, she is like fucking upset because she she feels in her heart that Claire is dead, and she would be right. So she goes upstairs um, to you know kind of take a take a take a rest and stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is when the guys you know they're telling her like you got to keep the guy on the phone and we'll try to like find him as best as we can. Um, and then. Uh, so now we're getting set it up. Now we're setting up the scene for the uh, Christmas. I always call it the ice pick scene, but it's actually like a Christmas yeah. ornament death scene. So, right. So the cops leave. We tap the phones. All that stuff is good. You know, uh, Phillips upstairs. She's resting. Jess is gonna go check on Barb. So she checks on Barb. Obviously, Barb kind of like woke up like out of a, a out of a nightmare, and she's like, she's asthmatic too. So she she took some of her inhaler. And she's basically saying, like, oh, I must have had a nightmare. I had a nightmare that some stranger was in my room. And then she's like, well, that'd probably be the best I can ask for. Weird. So, you know, <laughs> like, she doesn't get a lot of sex. And I mean, right. I, really, I get it. But then, like, yeah. r- ironically, with what's about to happen. Yes. So now we have a bunch of, like, kids singing Christmas carols mm-hmm. at the fucking door. All right. Randomly. Randomly. Oh, they did that well, back in the day. Yeah. I guess it makes sense. Yeah. So just sees the whole thing after the scene. So the lighting and the decorations in this movie are fantastic. Like anytime they're at the front door, like the whole red light yeah. uh, reef. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous, uh, lighting is perfect in this film. It's great. Mm-hmm. So they're singing everything. And while this is happening, the killer is, is going to Barbara's room. All right. And he's saying some shit about Agnes and Billy. And uh, during this whole thing, he's like, I'm going to get her Agnes. I'm going to get her Billy and shit like that. Um. So, you know, during all this stuff, too, we also, you know, we also hear, like, the, the the lady come up and tells all the kids to get out of here and get back into the car and stuff. Um, and this is when we get the the killer grabbing, like, this, like, Christmas ornament. Like, it kind of looks like mm, an ice pick like and icicle. everything. Yeah, and just fucking... Yeah, icicle. Icicle one, yeah, just fucking boom, yeah. boom, and chopping up fucking Barbara, and she's fucking dead. So, and Justin didn't hear any of this stuff because all the carols going on the whole time. Yeah, which is kind of a cool plot point, right? That's that that explains how she doesn't hear Barb getting killed. Yes, because she thinks Barbara's asleep for the rest of the entire movie. Yes, which is also a plot point. <laughs> yes, yes. So also too, you know, when when the lady gets the kids away, it's like, hey, we gotta get these kids out of here. You know, there's there's a little girl that got killed out here, and then the girl's like, hey, your phone's ringing. It's like, oh, okay. So they go to the phone. And you can hear the guy crying a little bit, you know, saying, uh, you know, 
go, you know, keep, keep they want to keep it, you know, this is the first where they actually can hear like the killers crying a little bit, saying stuff about Agnes yeah. and mothers and all this kind of stuff. And then they is, eventually hang up. Yeah, they hang up and then the lieutenant, this, oh, go ahead. And I was going to say, is this the call where, um, where, uh, <clears throat> where he, where he talks about the abortion? Yes. Or is that a different one? No, this is the call yeah, where he's talking like, about that, yeah. Yeah, so this is why we think it's Peter now. Yes. So, you know, and that's what Latina's like, hey, did you hear anything that, that sound? You sound like you, you recognize something. She's like, no. So this is like when Jess is now bringing it up to uh, the Phyllis that she thinks that Peter might be involved in all this stuff, but she can't really believe mm-hmm. it. But she said like, a lot of the words that the killer was saying was some stuff that, w- that Peter told me earlier. And... Uh, and then, of course, you know, they couldn't trace the call. There just wasn't enough time to trace that first call. Okay, so there we have this little random scene of, like, Phil and Jess. They they find some people from a search party. It's like this weird, weird thing to unlock the doors and all this stuff. And then they eventually realize, like, oh, wait a minute. In this house, we only have this door and the main door locked. Everything else is open. So they go to the yeah. house to, <laughs> to lock everything. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so now Lieutenant, he, he wants, to, Lieutenant Fuller, he wants all this information about this Peter guy. All right. Mm-hmm. And then he finds out where Peter has been staying at and he goes to check his school and he actually sees the piano all broken and stuff, but there's no Peter there. Cause when we last saw Peter, he was pretty much outside being upset, you know, about the whole abortion stuff. And now everybody's kind of like, it's, right. it's, it's looking more like Peter is like the killer. Mm-hmm. So now we have, um. Jess gets a phone call again, so they're trying to trace it. This one's about like fat pigs, and you're a fat pig bitch and shit like that, Billy, and all this stuff. And Billy's the the dad with Agnes and shit. So um, they're they're trying to you know get the trace and stuff, and they can't get this one either. Um, and then eventually, yeah. one thing I liked one thing I liked about this movie is how. Um, they portray how hard it is to trace a phone call. Yes. Like it is possible, like, you know, in doing movies to trace a phone call, but in most yeah. movies, they just like, um, they just, they just call and then they're like, Oh, we got it. But yeah. like, it's really, really hard to trace a phone call. And I, I like how they really portray how realistic that is here. Yeah. Cause you know, the, 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 the cop fuller, he was, he was kind of on to Peter's trail because when Peter called up, you know, he was all upset. You know what I mean? He was talking to, to Jess about, you know, I don't want you to abort the baby yeah. and all this stuff. And, and Fuller was like, you know, what's going on with this and stuff? And she's like, oh, you heard all that? <laughs> so that's why he's been on the scent, the scent. But right. they found, but so then we have, then we cut to a scene where we're in Mrs. Mac room and we could tell that the killer picked up the phone, you know, and now he's pretending to, now he's doing the phone call from inside the house. Okay. And, you know, while this is happening and stuff, um, you know, right when we were seeing all this stuff, uh, this is when we get the, um, you know, Phyllis, she is, 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 she wants to check on Barb, you know, just to make sure everything's okay. You know, after they lock all the doors and stuff, you know, I guess, uh, Jess is doing all the downstairs ones. Phil's doing all the upstairs ones. She goes and checks for Barb in that room and eventually, uh, the door like slams on her and we don't see her again. And then that's when we get the phone again. call. You know, this one, this one, uh. Uh, the Lieutenant Fuller is checking out the piano room and eventually there's another call. This one's talking about pigs and fat pigs and eventually they finally got to trace the phone call and this is when the the, the tracer guy's like, hey, we found where this phone call is coming from. It's coming from 6 Belmont Street mm-hmm. and Fuller's like, 
how can it come from there? Possible. That's not possible. Like, how can that? That's that's where the, the source should be. He's like, no, it's there. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh fuck, because he probably remembered <laughs> that one phone he didn't trace. So right. So now he calls up. This is a this is an intense scene too. So he he, ca- he calls up Sergeant Nash. He's like, listen, Sergeant yes. Nash, <laughs> I need you to call that sorority house, and I need you to warn who's ever in the house. To just leave to the house and don't tell him the fucking killer is inside, okay? Just tell him to drop the phone and leave. If you screw this up, I need you up, not to fuck this I up. I need you not to fuck this up, okay? So I had to recap. This of is course. my favorite scene. So Nash calls him, right? <laughs> the, the, this is, the, this is, like she picks up. Hello, who is this? That's the first thing he said. Who is this? She's like, what the fuck? This is Jess. Oh, good. Okay, what I need you to do. Is I, calling. Yeah, yeah. First of all, okay, who's who's else there with you? She's like, well, just me and Phil. Okay, what I need you to do, I need you to drop the phone right now, and I need you to leave. Don't ask questions. Don't ask questions at all. Don't ask questions. And she starts asking house. questions. She's like, what's going on? Stuff. She's like, don't ask questions, please. She's like, well, let me just go get Phil. Don't get her. Just leave and drop the phone. She's like, well, I'm gonna go get her. She's like, no, the killer is in the house. Get out of the house now. Run. <laughs> Run for your life, girl. Run for your life. You're dead. And she's like, what? What the fuck? He's like, no. uh, he's like oh, shit, I fucked up. No, drop the phone. Leave. Oh, shit, I fucked up. <laughs> and then she's like freaking out. And she's like screaming for Phyllis and Barb and everything. She's screaming for him. And she's screaming for him. And, the guy, and you can hear Sergeant Nash on the phone like, hello? Hello? Oh, shit. Hello? <laughs> he's like, oh, shit, I fucked this up. He's like, I fucked this up. Good. So, uh. So Jess is like, she's like screaming for fucking Barb and Phil. She doesn't hear nothing and stuff. And then she grabs one of those fireplace weapons. <laughs> so she goes upstairs yeah, and everything. Poker, yeah. And she's like uh, looking around and she finally opens up the door and she sees the two dead on the bed. She freaks out and stuff. Yep. And then she can see like Poppy's little eye out. He's like, Agnes, Agnes, look what I did, Billy. And she's like, oh, fuck this. So she whacks him and shit to the door. She runs all the way to the basement. It's one of my favorite chase scenes. Cause it's so intense, like she like runs and stuff. You can hear him like huffing and puffing and stuff in the background. She's like banging, banging on the door yeah, and snapping. Yeah. I was like, "Fuck, this is intense." We can't even see what the guy looks like. We just saw his eyeball, you know. So mm-hmm. she's down in the basement now, and the guy, the killer, eventually stops for a little bit. And um, you know, so she's down there and stuff, and she's like looking around, and eventually there's like the figure outside. All right, mm-hmm. and uh. Uh, she's kind of worried, and we can kind of hear like Jess, Jess, and stuff from this little, like window and stuff. And you know, it's a very creepy like little scene too with the guy through the window and stuff. And it's Peter; he's outside, right? And he's like Jess, where are you and stuff? And he eventually breaks through and he goes down there and he breaks the glass. He's looking for Jess, and he finally finds Jess, like kind of like hidden around some pipes and shit. And he's like Jess, you know, why didn't you answer me? You know, and then right when he says that, the attendant the attendant arrives. He sees his dead cop that he was trying to call earlier that was dead in his car. And he goes, they burst into the basement. They go down to the basement. They eventually see like this Peter just laying there, um, fucking just blood all over him. And she's there kind of passed out and she wakes up for a little bit. And they're, they, she's in the bed now. They're talking about like, man, I can't believe this just girl. Like, I can't believe any of this stuff. I can't believe Peter. They, they, they're convinced that Peter was the killer this whole time. That he killed all these people. They can't believe it. They can't believe Jess killed this guy. And, you know, they found uh, two bodies. Uh, they found the Barbara body and they found the Phyllis body and stuff. Uh, Mr. Harrison's like f- f- faints. 
So they had so Chris and all of them bring him to the hospital, and they just leave Jess uh, there to because she. Yeah, I guess like the lieutenant wants some answers from Jess, like why did you hurt Peter? You know, stuff like that. Maybe get more of a statement, but she can't because she's basically in shock and passed out. So they all leave the house and shit. And then we get like this really cool shot throughout the whole house and everything. And eventually we we get up to near the aff- the la- the uh, attic's at. We hear all this laughing. Mm-hmm. We still see that yep. they didn't find Mrs. Mac or Claire's body, which they're still up in the attic. He's like yep. rocking her in the rocking chair and stuff. He's laughing and everything this whole time. So the killer was not Peter after all. The killer is still out there. And he's like, Agnes, it's Billy. All right. And then we just see a, 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 a close out of Claire in the window still of the attic. And we see the whole house of some random cop out there. And we see the phone ring. And that's it. And he just gives us credits. And it's a very creepy ending. Yeah. 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 Because there's no, there's no real explanation for it, right? Yeah, no. Like, we don't know who this guy he's is. Just, you know, obviously yeah, we know... this creepy killer. Yeah, disturbed guy. Talk about Billy and Agnes. We don't know who Billy and Agnes are. You know, besides, yeah. like, stuff that he's talking about. And, yeah, just very, very creepy and stuff. And, yeah, like, you know, I liked it how they made it, like, look like Peter was going to be, like, the, the villain throughout the whole thing. And then he wasn't. Mm-hmm. He was just a very upset guy, you know, yeah. for this, like, real-life issue and stuff. Um, so very, very masterfully done movie. I would say. Yes. Fantastic film. So one Good of the movie. best. One of the best horror movies of all time. And definitely one of my top mm-hmm. Christmas horror movies of all time. Black Christmas. Like every time I watch this movie, it just gets better and better. So yep. everybody, if you haven't seen it, you obviously have to. You know, hope you guys enjoyed our little lights out review. Talking black, our love for Black Christmas. Some some different yeah. old school Christmas horror, uh, uh, Christmas horror movies and stuff. A little little quick review of Black Christmas itself. With some of our favorite dialogue, some of our favorite scenes in there as well too. So I always like doing these lights out episodes so we can get out of the eighties and start talking about some uh, some other shit that's out there too. That's also yeah, pretty good. Absolutely. So. But everybody, that's been a lights out episode. Black Christmas original. Check it out if you haven't this holiday season. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. Like I said, we'll be back tomorrow, brother. Christmas Day. Talking to all a good night. So you can wake up, get your your Mintel uh, uh, recorders (laughs) for fucking deadly games and and, and do some chatting. And then, of course, you know. Random strangers. Yes, you can hear us talk all about TJ and his airplane and fucking uh, all these sorority girls. You know, we'll talk about the uh, the very similar uh, uh, stuff that To All the Good Night ripped off from Black Christmas too. So, should be a fun. Yeah, one. yeah, it'll be intense. Should be a fun review, everybody. But thanks for joining us here on your Christmas Eve night. Hope you guys are having some good hot chocolate, maybe some good old Christmas beers too. Getting ready for the uh, for the Christmas mm-hmm. day. I always like Christmas Eve. It's one of my favorite days. Yeah. Is Christmas Eve. Christmas? Yeah, Christmas Eve is a great day. It's yeah. it's like the. It's, you know, because like once Christmas is over, it's kind of over. You know, I mean, I do yeah. like that week between Christmas Day and New Year's Day. That's kind of cool, but yeah, but yeah, like Christmas Eve is great because the anticipation is there. You're you're already eating some Christmas food. You're already eating your cheese balls, your summer sausage. You're already eating that kind of stuff and drinking your Christmas beers and relaxing because all the work you got to do for the week is done. And then you're gonna just sit there and be with your family and watch crazy ass Christmas horror movies and. A Charlie Brown Christmas all in the same day, drink yep. beers, have some fun. So that's what we're all doing today. Exactly. 
check it all out, everybody. So, Allison, what are we going to leave everybody with some music? We could pick whatever so, kind of music we want. Yeah, we can do anything. So let's listen to... Uh, so there's a huge connection uh, between uh, Christmas and metal, which we'll talk about one of these years, I'm sure. But uh, let's go out with a Christmas metal song. How about Spinal Tap's Christmas with the Devil? Yeah, buddy. Christmas with the Devil, Spinal Tap, brother. I bet, Barb, I bet Barb is a big fan of Spinal Tap. I can see that. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, for sure. All right, buddy. We will check you later and join us tomorrow on the Retro Blood as we finish out the the Christmas horror movie 1980s reviews. But to all a good night, and we will see you here later on the Lights Out episode one of these days talking about whatever topic we decide to talk about. See you later, guys, and yep, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. See you next time, guys. Oh, and say-